This year, we have a unique Purim here in Yerushalayim. Something we call a Purim Mishunash, a three-day Purim, which only comes once every few years. The last time we had it, I think, was 13 years ago. The next time is going to be in 24 years' time, Be'ezus Hashem. And therefore, even though when it comes to most halachas, people remember and have a basic awareness what to do, it's something which repeats itself every year. When it comes to the halachas of Purim Mishodesh, it's worthwhile to revise the halachas because it doesn't come that often. And therefore, we need to remind ourselves of what's different, of what we need to do when Purim falls, like it does this year in Yerushalayim on the Shabbos. So really, there are four mitzvahs on Purim, mitzvahs the Rabbanan, which one has to fulfill, as well as three minhagim, which we're going to talk about. The mitzvahs of Purim are firstly Kriya Samagila, that's a mitzvah of Pirsumay Nessa, publicizing and reminding ourselves publicly of the Nes, of the miracle Hashem did for us. The second mitzvah is Matanis Levyonim, which is giving to the poor, it's not the same thing as Staka, like we'll see. The third mitzvah is Siddhas Purim, and the fourth mitzvah is Mishlech Manus. And normally, all these four mitzvahs have to be fulfilled on the duration, during the duration of the day of Purim. But this year in Yerushalayim, when Purim falls on the Shabbos, none of these are really options. Let's explain. In principle, one will be allowed to read them again on Shabbos. It's no different to reading any other Sefer. But, since everyone needs to hear the Megillah, and one needs to hear the Megillah or read it from a kosher scroll, Chazal were worried about the very real possibility that people would carry the Megillah from their homes to Shul or to someone's house who could read for them. And that would constitute Chil Shabbos, carrying from one's house to the streets, to a different house in a place where there's no Eruv. And because of that, Chazal, just like they did by Shafer, which when the first ever Shoshana falls on Shabbos, or by Lulav, when the first ever Sukkot falls on Shabbos, they did by Megillah as well, and they made a Takana, that we're not allowed to be Yaitse reading the Megillah Sesta on Shabbos. So we can't fulfill the mitzvah of Megillah this year on Shabbos. The second mitzvah, Matanis Levyonim, similarly means giving money to somebody who needs it, to the poor, that also we can't do on Shabbos, like we never handle money on Shabbos. And lastly, the mitzvah of Siddhas Purim, we can't fulfill on Shabbos because we're already having the Shabbos Siddhas. And therefore, we're not going to eat another meal besides for the Shabbos Siddhas. And the two meals in the day we're already eating are both in the category of Siddhas Shabbos. And therefore, if one needs to make a special Siddha to fulfill the mitzvah of Siddhas Purim, one will have to find a different time to do it when it doesn't overlap, so to speak, with the Siddhas one's chayv to eat for Shabbos. So if we can't fulfill the mitzvahs this year of Purim on Purim, what are our options? We can either preempt them and do the mitzvahs on Friday before Purim comes, or we can delay them and do them on Sunday after Purim is over, after Shabbos is over. When it comes to the Megillah, we learn from a Pasuk, that the Pasuk says that Kayishal will Makayim the two days of Purim, the 14th and the 15th of Adar, the La Yavar, and on that the Gemara learned that one's not allowed to cross the 15th of Adar without reading the Megillah. In other words, we don't have an option to delay reading of the Megillah to later. The final time we can read the Megillah is the 15th. And if that's the case, in a year like this one, when we can't lane on the 15th, we bring the reading earlier and we lay on the 14th. So, together with the rest of the world, who's learning the Megillah on Thursday night and Friday, the 14th of Adar, here in Yerushalayim, we will also lay the Megillah on Thursday night and Friday, even though it's the 14th of Adar. Now, there's still a difference between the Megillah in Yerushalayim this year and the Megillah in the rest of the world. And that is the Gemara says, that if one reads the Megillah Bismanai, which means on the right day, one can listen to the Megillah with the Tibur, and one can listen to the Megillah by themselves, and they still Yotze. Whereas, when one reads the Megillah Shaloi Bismanai, 
when one reads the Megillah not on the correct day, then one has to have a minion. In other words, when we read the Megillah on the day of Purim, that's called the correct day. And since everyone's reading the Megillah, there's Prisum Nisa, and therefore one doesn't need to read with a minion. But if one's reading the Megillah and not on the right day, then one has to have it with a minion because that creates, that generates the Prisum Nisa. When would there be a case where one would read the Megillah not on the right day? So the post can bring down, this is the case. The case is when Purim falls on Shabbos, which can only happen in Yerushalayim. And when Purim falls on Shabbos, and we meant to read the Megillah on Shabbos, but we can't, so when we read it on Friday, they claim that's called a Kriya Shalai Bismanoi. That's called reading the Megillah not on the right day. There are those who argue, and there are those who say that being as this year everyone has to read on Friday, that's what Chazal will metaken. If that's the case, then that's called the right day as well. But there's definitely opinion that this year's reading the Megillah is considered Shiloh Bismani. And if that's the case, they would hold that one would have to read together with a minion. Now, the Mishnaburah Paskins like that. The Mishnaburah says that if one doesn't have a minion to read the Megillah with on the 14th this year, if he's living in Yishalayim, says the Mishnaburah he shouldn't even say the Brachas. Because he Mishnaburah holds of the opinion that it's a Megillah which is read not in the right time and therefore one has to have a minion. Without that, he's not Yodzei. Now this presents a great difficulty because even though in Yerushalayim we're not used to that, when we're going to be reading the Megillah this year on Thursday night, we're reading the Megillah directly after the fast. Out of Yishalayim, that's part of Purim. Every year, the fast finishes and people read the Megillah. In Yishalayim, we normally have a day's gap in between. And therefore, comes the Megillah, people are going to be fasting. So for those people who can hear Mariv and read the Megillah right after the Tainis, that's very good. They will wait to eat until after the Megillah. They will be in the midst of the Megillah because they'll have a minion. And they're okay. But for ladies, this is going to be much more difficult because they'll have to wait until after their husband comes home in order to go listen to the Megillah. And if they're fasting, it means a much longer fast. And what makes things one bit more complicated is if one needs to hear the Megillah with a minion, where are we going to find the second minion of men who are diving later? And they'll be able to join the minion. Now let's just go through these halachas one, one at a time. The first halacha mentioned, and that is one's not meant to eat before hearing the Megillah. That's a regular din in all mitzvahs which one's mukhrib to do. One should not eat until they've done the mitzvah incumbent upon them. And therefore in a case like this, there's a mitzvah to read the Megillah, and one can't eat when it, on the night of Purim one needs to hear the Megillah until he's heard the Megillah. The same halacha applies for morning. One has to hear the Megillah, and therefore one's not allowed to eat until they've heard the Megillah. Now, as I said, for men who are going to shul, this is an easier mitzvah to Mekayim, because they're hearing the Megillah at the first opportunity. But for ladies who have to wait for their husbands to replace them at home, to watch the children so that they can go find the Megillah, it means they'll have to wait a significant amount of time before they hear the Megillah, and it will be difficult for them not to be able to eat or drink anything until then. So if a lady is feeling fine after the fast, ideally she should wait until after hearing the Megillah in order to break her fast. But if she feels weak, or she's very thirsty, or she has a headache, then if that's the case, it would be motivated her to have a drink after the fast before she has a Megillah, but still she shouldn't be eating. Definitely not more than a kibetza, which is a size of food which is considered already significant. She shouldn't be eating so much before she had a gelasasta. So that's as far as the first issue goes of eating after the fast before hearing the megillah. Now, as we said, there's a second problem. One needs to have a minion. So even though the Mishnah Bura Paskins 
that one should only hear Kriyasa Megillah this year with a minion. And if it's possible to do that, that would definitely be the best option. Rav Yosef Chaim Zonfeld, who is the Rav of Yishalayim, claims that there would be a possibility this year to have a group of ten ladies hearing the Megillah together. And that would be okay as well. Because the point of gathering ten people to read the Megillah isn't a din in Kedusha or Baruch which needs a Davashib Kedusha. It needs ten men specifically. It's a din in having a Rabbim that one can first in the nest. If I read the Megillah in the company of a lot of people, that's a way of publicizing the miracle. And if that's the case, since men and women are equally chiyovim, are equally high, obligated, in all the mitzvahs of Purim, so if we have ten women together, they would be able to mafarist in the nest together as well, and one could read the Megillah for ten women. And therefore, in cases where the first option isn't practical, there isn't a second minion for a lady to join, she can hold like the opinion of a of Chaim, of the Minag of Rishalayim, and that is to have a group of ten women together to hear the Megillah. If that's also not an option, or for people this year who quarantine too sick and are confined to their homes, and therefore they have the problem they can't join the minion, so of course the best option would be if they could listen through the window or through the door to a minion outside, but if that's not an option, and there's no way for them to gather the amounts of people, then there is a third opinion that one could read them again by themselves this year as well. Either because this year it's called Kriyapis Mandal because that's the time everybody's reading, or because we hold that one can still make a bracha even, even if it doesn't have a tip or really have it. This isn't the best option. If one is able to hear with either a tip of men, or second best, a tip of ladies, that's the best. If there's no other options, then they can hear by themselves as well. The halacha by the Megiddah reading always is, one has to hear every word and in order, and therefore one should follow along carefully with the Balkare who's reading. But, if he misses a word or two, so they're allowed to fill it in on their own from the Sefer or the Megiddah in front of them and catch up to the Tzibur and they hear, as long as they hear that way, most of the Megiddah from the Balkare, the few words that they miss, they can make up on their own. Not later, but at the time when they're reading it. However, the Briskarov claims that in order for it to be called a Kriya B'Tzibur, one has to hear all of it from the Tzibur with the tzibur, from the Balkare. And if there's a certain amount that a person is saying quietly on his own to fill in, then if that's the case, that was Rebbe Yachid. And therefore the brisker of held that in a year like this year, when there's a reason of Yalach that the Kriya should be B'Tzibur, one must make sure to make sure that he hears every word from the tzibur. It's obviously a schus for a person who can do that. But if a person does miss one or two words from the Balkare and makes them up on his own, you won't tell him to go and find a new Megillah reading. You can be Yetzir because the setting and the Megillah was read by Rabim, even if he had to make up a word or two on his own. After the Megillah, the second mitzvah we come to on Purim is the mitzvah Matanus Levyonim. Now when it comes to the Megillah, we make a brach on the Megillah at night, Shechiyonu, because it's a new mitzvah. When we read the Megillah in the day, we also make the brach of Shechiyonu. And the reason for that is even though we have already read the Megillah the night before, but we're incorporating into the Shekhiyano of the day all the other mitzvahs we're going to do. And again, in Yerushalayim, those aren't all going to be done in the course of one day like we'll see, but one can still have Kavana on all of them when he makes the bracha of Shekhiyano on Friday morning when he reads the Megillah. So our second mitzvah is Matanus Levyonim. When do we do Matanus Levyonim? That's also pushed to Friday. In other words, a Friday morning after reading the Megillah, a person has a chiyav to give Matanus Levyonim. What's the reason for that? So there's two reasons. The first one is what the Gemara brings down, and that is the Arnim used to wait for Kriyas Megillah. They knew that that's when they were going to get whatever gift people wanted to give them, and they were waiting for the Megillah to come so that people would give. 
And in a case like this, yeah, when the Megillah is early, so the Aniyam were expecting to get Matanis Sivyanim after reading the Megillah. And therefore we keep Matanis Sivyanim together with Kriyas and Megillah. But there's another point as well. And that is, this goes to the heart of the midst of Matanis Sivyanim. And that is that Matanis Sivyanim is not staka. It's not the same thing as giving charity. It's not for the same reason. And as we're going to see, there are a lot of halakhic differences between them. Staka is giving money to a cause which a person can give, whether it's a poor person, whether it's a mitzvah. And one can be yated staka by giving not just to a person, but to an organization, to a shul, to a base medrash, a yeshiva, a kirav organization, a mikvah. They're all ways to distribute staka. However, Matanus Lev Yonim is specifically made as a mitzvah to make sure that the avionim, that the poorest people, can also celebrate Purim. These are people who normally would not be able to put a Purim set on the table, definitely under a frame of mind or in financial circumstances to enjoy Purim, and therefore the Mitzvah Matanus Levionim is to include these people also in celebrating Purim. And if that's the case, there are a number of differences, like we mentioned, between the mitzvah of Tzedakah and the mitzvah of Matan Sivyanim. The first one being, Tzedakah can be used for any good mitzvah-orientated cause. Whereas Matan Sivyanim has to be given specifically to people who need the money, and preferably for people who need the money in order to be able to buy food for Purim. Therefore, it has to be something which I give to a person who is able to use on Purim. So, credit cards, or checks, or any other way of transferring money, which doesn't give the Oni the ability to use it, to buy what he needs for Purim, isn't really the best way to Makai in the Mitzvah of Matanus That's the first point. If one wants to Makai in the Mitzvah, the best way to do so is to give cash, to give money to an Oni, that he can go to the store and buy with it. And the second point, it has to be possible for him to still do that. And if that's the case, if a person is going to give his Matanus Levionim late Friday afternoon, at a time when the stores are already closed, and therefore the Oni has no way to use the money, so he hasn't done the mitzvah properly. And therefore one should do the mitzvah of Matanus Levionim early in the morning, and that way the Oni still has the ability to use the money to buy himself whatever he needs for Purim. Because this is the rationale of Matanus Levionim, so that's why we give it on Friday before Purim and not on Sunday after Purim is finished. If the idea of Matanus Levionim is that the Oni has the ability to celebrate Purim, so we have to give him the money up front so that he can use it to celebrate Purim. Okay, so therefore Matanus Levionim is also on Friday morning. Now the dinner of Matanus Levionim is a person to give to two Levionim, not just to one. The Pasuk says in Lashon Rabim, Matanus to two of Yonim. And the next question is going to be how much does one have to give? Because when it comes to tzedakah, if one gives a, ch- a shekel, he has been in the midst of tzedakah. Tzedakah means giving something which is monetary value, and even the shekel has monetary value. It's more than what we call the halachic share of a shavi prota. And if that's the case, it's been in his mitzvah. But when it comes to matanus lev Yonim, that's not good enough. And the reason is, like we said, Matanus Levionim is either there to make the Anim happy as well, or alternatively, to give the Anim the ability to balance as a Purim Surah. And giving someone a shekel, even if you might be grateful for it, definitely does not make him happy. When people go around collecting, or knocking on doors, so it's an average donation which everyone will give them. And also, it's not enough for them to use to buy anything significant for Purim. And therefore, if one wants to know what's the share of Matanus Levionim, the first opinion is something which would make the Oni happy to receive. He normally gets half shekels, one shekels, maybe even two shekels when he tries to collect money. If someone would give him a 10 or even a 20 shekel, that would be something nice, that would be something special. And therefore, if one wants to misamech the Evion to make him happy, one would have to give the Evion a gift of the size which would make someone happy. The second opinion is 
that one needs to provide the Abin with is the ability to have a Surah's Purim, to buy food for Purim. And if that's the case, we have to price the minimal halakhically acceptable Surah's Purim, which as we're going to see means the person needs to wash, he needs to eat meat and have a drink. And if you're going to price that, that's the amount of money we'd have to give the avion in order to be able to make in the midst of Surah's Purim. Rav Yashiv, Rav and others, Mukhashm that is about 25 shekels. And therefore, we're talking about 20 to 25 shekels for each of the two avionim. For each of the two avionim. Now, the halacha of Matanus Levionim applies equally to men and to women. And therefore, just like a man is chayv to give Matanus Levionim, a lady is chayv to give as well. And therefore, either she also has to have money and give it to two avionim of her choice, or at least she should make her husband a shaliyach. She should make her husband a messenger to give on her behalf. But not that he should just give for her without her even knowing about it. It's her mitzvah. Same thing if a person has children over Barabbas mitzvah, so they have a chiyav to give a talus If they have their own income and they want to give their own money, that's fine. If not, he'll have to give them money in order for them to make the mitzvah they have of a talus And once again, either they should give it themselves, or at the very least, they should make their father or their mother the shliach, the agent to give for them. But just to give for them without them knowing about it isn't good. And the last point, even for little children, who aren't it responsible, they aren't obligated in their own right, but there's a mitzvah of chinuch. And therefore, and therefore, one wants to train them to do the mitzvah. And here too, giving on their behalf when they didn't know about it isn't training them. If one wants to train one's children in Matanus Levyonim, it means giving them the money and instructing them to give it out to Avyonim, to people who need it. And now we get to the last point of the mitzvah. We spoke about when to give and how much to give. The question is who to give to. Who to give to. Because not everybody intimately knows the person who's in the category of an Avyon. Even though unfortunately there are people like that who struggle to make ends meet, to pay for food, but not everyone knows where to find them. And that's why in every neighborhood there are a number of stock organizations and the mission of these organizations is to help the people in locally who are struggling to cover expenses, who are struggling to pay for food, and they would know exactly who is in the category of an avion of somebody who is entitled to take the money in earmarked to be given out on Purim. And therefore, an organization such as that, one could give them the money up front, based on Purim morning itself, but even before Purim, if on Purim wouldn't, wouldn't work, and make them a shleach to distribute the money between two, at least two of Yonim, for each person on Purim. The way some of these organizations work is that they have already cash, so to speak, which they borrowed, ready, and as soon as somebody makes a donation from Matan Sevyonim, they're going to distribute that money on Purim itself. Again, one has to make sure it's early enough in the day that the Oni can still receive the money on Purim, and it's still something useful to him that he can spend on what he needs for Purim before the days are finished. Even though that's the halakhic requirement of Matan Sevyonim, What's the reason for Matanus Levyonim? So we'll see that this is the answer to Haman's accusation against us. Haman said about the Jewish people that they're an Am Echad Mufuzar Umufurad Bain Amim, scattered and dispersed. Klai Yisrael are not united. Haman claimed that Klai Yisrael are scattered and there's nothing to hold us together. And at the time in Shushan, the Jewish people wanted to prove Haman wrong. And therefore, when they came to fight Homan and the other Bnei Amalek, Homan's family, on the 13th of Adar, it says, Nikalu Yehudim. The Jews gathered together. They united. United in battle, but we joined together as one team, as one army. And that's how we went to battle against Amalek. And even if today we aren't necessarily mobilizing ourselves to fight a, to fight a war, but we do want to show and experience that level that Klai Yisrael unites. 
And if that's the case, we want everybody to celebrate Purim. We were all saved from Haman's decree of annihilation, and we want everybody, all Klai to celebrate. And therefore, just like we're going to see, Mishlayach Monos is given to our friends, because that's the way of increasing friendship, and also that they have a person's happy that way, when they receive things which they like. Same thing, we want to remember the Avionim. And Mishlayach them also. They're also part of Klai Yisrael, they all, and we want to make sure that Purim will be a source of Simcha for them too. And therefore, if anybody has ever been involved in one of these stock organizations and has seen the Simcha, the happiness, the gratitude of the family of the Oni when they're given a significant donation, something which will help them in a big way on Purim, we'll understand very well what the Rambam says. And that is, there's no greater simcha than being misameach, the hearts of people like that. For a friend who has a table laden with everything like he wants, who has an array of shalach monas, so like fancy presentations which they've received, to give them one more, it's nice, they'll appreciate it, but it'll just be adding to the amount they already have. Whereas giving more matanas levyanim, brings, generates a level of simcha which is much higher. And therefore, if a person has extra funds to allocate them for him, the halacha is, and like I said, it's very understandable, that one should use the extra money from Atanas Levyonim rather than Mishlech Monos or rather than a fancy Yisuda. The reason? The amount it achieves in being Masamech and uniting Klai Yisrael is that much more. So that's as far as our mitzvahs on Friday go. Again, the mitzvah of the Megillah and we get in the midst of Matanus Levyonim. Now we come to Shabbos. Shabbos, even though we can't fulfill any of the practical mitzvahs of Purim, as mentioned before, but there's still today's Purim. The Purim itself is Shabbos. That's why we say Anisim in the davening and the benching on Shabbos in all three meals. If one doesn't remember Anisim, he doesn't have to repeat, neither should one answer in no Berkus Hamazan. But still one should try and remember to say it because it's the only time you're going to say Alanisim. And secondly, there's a mitzvah of Simcha. Purim was made to be a Yemei Mishnah of Simcha. It's a mitzvah of Simcha. And that applies on Shabbos. Chazal didn't answer us being happy on Shabbos. And therefore specifically this Shabbos one should do something to be Yetzir being happy on Purim. If that means adding another delicacy to dessert, if that means learning a Sefer or going to a Shia, if that means singing songs as a Kumzitz, whatever it's going to be. And brings the person to Simcha. Shabbos is the time, is the opportunity to feel the Simcha of Purim. And now we come to the Dinam of the Suda. The Suda's Purim, which as we said, can't be done in Shabbos itself, because one's already eating the Suda's Shabbos, and it wouldn't be recognizable that we're making a Suda specifically for Purim. And therefore we have to find another, so to speak, time in order to have the Suda. What options are there? So there are a number. There are those opinions, there are those Rishonim who hold, that the Suda should be on Friday. Just like we made the Megillah on Friday, the Suda should be on Friday as well. There are those opinions who hold, that if we can't have the Suda on Shabbos, we should have it as soon after Shabbos as possible, which means on Matthew Shabbos. And there are those opinions who hold, that if it's not going to be on Shabbos, we push it off to the day of Sunday. Now, Halachically, we pass connect this third opinion. And that is that the Surah is on Sunday. However, if one has lots of extra time on Purim and is looking for extra things to be machmer about, then there are those who claim that it's advisable to have somewhat of a Surah, maybe a smaller Surah, but a Surah on Friday and on Matzah Shabbos as well as on Sunday, so that they've covered all bases, so to speak, of being Makhaim the Mitzvah of Surah's Purim. Now let's understand. Why don't Chazal push the Surah later? If we're already pushing the Megillah earlier, so why don't we have all the Mitzvahs together? Why don't we do the Surah on Friday too? And really in Yishalayim, we don't need to ask the question, having had a number of years here where Purim has been on Friday, so it's quite clear. Having a Surah on Friday greatly impacts Shabbos. Either a person's not hungry to eat the Shabbos Surah because they've just had a big meal as the Purim Surah, or a person's not in a state to eat the Shabbos Surah, or a person doesn't have the opportunity to get ready properly for Shabbos, 
Now, to shower, to change, to clean the floor, to set up the house. And the Purim Soda is something which takes time to, and to organize in its own right. It has its own atmosphere, so to speak. And therefore, it's very difficult to prepare for a normal Shabbos afterwards. Now, when Purim is on Friday, and therefore today is the day of Mechoyah, we don't really have a choice. We don't really have a choice. Today is Purim, and therefore... Like in Chotzarot, when the Friday is Purim, they're going to have to have the Soda on a Friday. But, in Eretz Yisrael, when anywhere Friday is not Purim, Purim is on Sunday, Purim is on Shabbos, then there's no reason to make a Soda on a Friday afternoon, which is going to impact on Shabbos, when one could do it at a, at a different time. And therefore, to have a Soda, a big meal, and to drink, as which is part of the Soda, as we'll see, on Friday, we don't do, if you don't have to, We'd rather push it off till Sunday. Now, for a person who's out of Yishalayim and their Purim is on Friday, so of course they have to have the Soda on Friday. Is it mutter for somebody who lives in Yishalayim to join someone who does not live in Yishalayim on their Friday, in their Friday Soda? So the Lach is like this. The Lach is it's mutter because since for the person making the Soda, it's a Soda's Mitzvah, it's his Purim Soda, then I'm allowed to mishtadif, I'm allowed to participate in his Surah's Mitzvah, which means ordinarily we don't do that. We don't normally make a big meal Friday afternoon. But when a person's making a simcha, a bris, whatever it will be, so he's allowed to make a surah on Friday, that's the date. And it's mother for people who are not necessarily the family to join in the simcha too. They can share the meal of the bris. And same thing over here. Even though for me it's not Purim because I'm a Ben Yerushalayim, but for the people who are out of Islam, and today is their Purim, it's their mitzvah to eat a Surah's Purim, and therefore being mishtadif in their Surah's mitzvah. That's the halacha. Practically, we have to be careful. Firstly, the one doesn't eat too much, that he can't be makai in the mitzvah of Surah's Shabbos that night. And secondly, and that is a practical point, if one's out of Yerushalayim, one should make sure to give himself a lot of time to come back to Yerushalayim before Shabbos. Because if he's going to get stranded out of Yerushalayim, and be there when Shabbos comes in, it could be that he loses his status as a Ben Yerushalayim, and he really was meant to have kept Purim on the Friday. Okay, so that's what's applicable to the Surah on Friday. And therefore, like I said, we Paschal, we do the Surah's Purim on Sunday, even though it's not Purim. Purim is finished, there'll be no Alanisim, but we have a mitzvah to have a Surah, and we're going to push the Surah to Sunday. Now, Mishlayach Manas is really a din in the Surah. In other words, the reason for Mishlach Manus, like we said, is to increase friendship, to increase happiness. And therefore, why, why does one send Mishlach Manus? There are two reasons given in the postkim. The one reason is, the one reason is to increase friendship between Klai Yisrael. And the other reason is, in order to provide people with food that they can eat at the Purim Soda. The difference between these two reasons could one send a set of svarim, a bouquet of flowers, new dishes? So if it's the idea is to send something to increase friendship and happiness, then a gift would do the job as well. Maybe even better than food would. But if the reason is to provide people with food so they have for the Purim Soda, then of course one has to give food. And being so we machmer like both opinions, and therefore we hold it's not enough to send an item or a gift, one has to send something which is a food which could be eaten at the Purim Soda. And therefore, the mitzvah of Mishlech Manus, like I said, is connected to the mitzvah of the Surah's Purim. And if the Surah's Purim is going to be on Sunday, so too the mitzvah of Mishlech Manus is going to be on Sunday. What does one need to do to become the mitzvah of Mishlech Manus? So again, one has to give to only one person, but he has to give two manus, two portions. And once again, it's a mitzvah which men and ladies are mukhiv equally, and therefore it's not enough for a family to give another family Mishlach Manus, that counts as one person giving. So they have to give at least one, one Shalach Manus on behalf of the man, and one on behalf of the lady. And if they're older children, they have to give their own Shalach Manus as well. Right? And then, because each one is Mechuyev in the midst of Purim, which means to give one Mishlach Manus to, which contains two Manus, two items, to one person. Who can one give Mishlach Manus to? The Pasuk says, Ishli a person to their friend. Does it have to be specifically a friend? Can it be to a parent? Can it be to a teacher? To a Rosh Hashiva? 
And the answer is yes. Re'eu is often used in the context of another Jewish person, and one can be Mekayim Mishlach to any of the above. What's often asked is, can a husband and wife give each other Mishlach And that I'd answer, even though it's a very good thing to do, if it's there to increase friendship, then I definitely would do that. But one shouldn't be Yaitse the Mishlach that he's Mechayiv to give, with the husband or wife, and the reason is, is because really they're not giving somebody else anything. It's from coming from the shared account, and it's going back to, so to speak, their shared table. And therefore, yes, it increases friendship between the two of them. But one shouldn't use that as the one to be yaitzer the echiyah of mishlachmanus. Right. The next point, and that is, being as mishlachmanus is meant to be misamech somebody or contribute to his purim soda. It has to arrive in purim. He has to get the mishlachmanus. What's common is when people deliver Mishlach Manus and there's no answers, they leave it outside the door, they might not be Yetzir with that. Because if the people in the home only come back after Purim is finished, that means they never received the Mishlach Manus on the, during Purim. And if that's the case, the person who was giving, there was never Makai in the Mitzvah. Just like if Mishlach Manus get lost in transit, or the person says, I don't want the Mishlach Manus, thank you, all the same, then the person giving is not Yetzir. No one received the Mishlach Manus on Purim, so same thing, leaving it outside someone's front door is not going to work if the person doesn't know about it until Purim is finished. And therefore, normally people deliver more than one Shalach Manas. So let's say it like this, at least one of the Mishlach Manas that a person sends, he has to ensure that the recipient gets. Now, another point. I don't have to send Mishlach Manas. The idea is to give somebody two Manas, two portions of food. And if that's the case, if I have a guest, so... I've been Yetzir Mishlach Manus by giving my guest a meal. He ate the first course, he had a second course, he had a third course, he had dessert. That's more than two Manus. And if it's talking about the Purim Surah, he for sure the Purim Surah. And if that's the case, I'm Yetzir Mishlach Manus by inviting guests and giving to my guests. Therefore, if I wanted to Makayim, the midst of Mishlach Manus and Surah's Purim simultaneously, by having guests at the Surah, I could do both. We saw there are a number of opinions when exactly a person is of the Soda, the same thing would apply to when he has to send Mishlach Manus. And therefore, according to the opinion that the Soda has to be on Friday, we would have to send one Mishlach Manus on Friday too. In other words, all the missions would be on Friday, according to that opinion. According to the opinion that it would be on Sunday, which is what we hold, we'll send Mishlach Manus on Sunday as well. And there's the last opinion mentioned, and that is that it's Matzah uh, Shabbos, yeah, it's okay. In which case, we would have to send something on Matzah Shabbos. There are those who even on Shabbos itself to invite a guest Shabbos day because that way it could be a kiyom of Mishlech Manus by giving the guest a meal even if I can't give him a gift of food which and Shabbos which I don't do because I don't give gifts on Shabbos. Okay. Now the last thing to talk about is the myths of Mishlech Manus. What can one send for Mishlech Manus? And then a number of important points to point out over here. And that is, what's uh, called a mana? What's considered a portion? In other words, even though one needs two foods, not two brachas, that's a common misconception, two foods, one can send two things which are shayakol, or two things which are mazainas, but they have to be different. Two of the same doesn't count as two monas. And therefore, if I think I'm going to send somebody two chalos, that counts as one thing. And they're two separate loves, but they look the same, taste the same, made from the same dough. And if that's the case, they're really called one, not two. Same thing. If I'm going to send somebody, let's say, a bag of chocolates or sweets, candies, things like that, even though they're lots of different units, they're all the same. And if that's the case, it's considered one mana. It's only considered one portion. How different do things have to be to be considered two manas? For example, is a red apple and a green apple considered two monas? We said it's two apples. Is a chocolate regular and a cinnamon regular considered different enough? There's two million, would you consider it one min? As long as, as, as there is a significant difference between them. When people choose which they want or they would eat them separately, that's considered two monas. Packaging doesn't count. If I'm sending someone a box of chocolates, so even though they're in different shapes and some are wrapped in silver foil, some are wrapped in gold foil, whatever it is, there's all considered one min. They're all the same. But if I send different kinds of chocolates, then they will be considered with different tastes or different fillings, they will be considered two minim.
So that's the first thing. One, one needs to send two different foods. Two different menu. It doesn't have to be a fruit. It could be a drink as well. If I send somebody a bottle of wine, let's say, and a bottle of fruit juice, that could be a mishlach oneness also. The different species, so to speak, and even if they drinks, one can be answered with that. One shouldn't give water as one of the two minutes for mishlach oneness because it's a question if that's called a min. Flavored water, carbonated water would be okay. But to give regular, even if it's mineral water, that wouldn't be good enough to be a min according to many post game. That water doesn't count as a certain food type. Okay. Now what about if a person would combine a number of minim into one thing? For example, a salad. A salad. So in the salad there's tomatoes and cucumbers and onions and lettuce and mushrooms and all kinds of other vegetables. Do we say, well, this is a fantastic shalach manas because it has so many different minim inside it? And the lach is no. The lach is being as it's eaten as one thing and serve as one thing, it's a bowl of salad, that makes it into one min, not two. It's no difference to a person saying that a cake is ten min because it has flour and sugar and yeast and eggs and oil in the in the mixture. It's now become one thing. And therefore a salad is also one thing. So one would have to send a second min together with it, or the other option would be to package it separately. So I'm sending somebody a container of cucumbers, a container of tomatoes, a container of onions, a container of carrots, and now they can self-assemble the salad or eat them on their own. And if that's the case, since I sent each one as a separate min, or be eight to mishlach one is like that. Right, ideally, what's the size of the food for mishlach one It's not first in the Paiskim. Normally, we say that the size of food is a kazais. And therefore, if I want to send a very expensive, original Belgian truffle, which might have cost you 30 shekels per unit, it's a suffix if you can use that as a min if it's less than a kazais. It might be too small. It might be too small. And therefore, it's, it's good to make sure that a person has at least two food types which are bigger than a kazais, and therefore you can be yetzi with them on mishnah manas. Now, this is more of a problem today because today people spend much more effort and time into the packaging and into the background scenery than the actual food. Which is okay. If one wants to send a set of dishes with the food in front of it, that would be okay. As long as one makes sure that there actually are two minim, two kinds of food, each one big enough and to be different from each other, to be yet to mishlach manas. The rest of the delivery parcel is nice, but that doesn't replace the ikamitsa of sending two minim. The next point to mention by shalach manas is that it has to be something that the recipient can eat. And therefore the post can talk about giving somebody a food which medically he's not allowed to eat, or maybe halachically he doesn't rely on the hechsha, or might be problematic because he isn't able to eat what I've given him. So too, and this always comes up, is one allowed to give a milchik shalach monus if everybody has a fleshik soda for the soda spurium. So can I give ice coffee, cheesecake, milchik chocolates, ice cream, whatever it will be, a shalach monus. And the answer is, you can, as long as you're giving it early in the day, because that way the person could still eat it and enjoy it on Purim. But if you're going to arrive at the Shalach Manus late in the afternoon, everyone's already fleshing, and therefore, Halakhi can not be allowed to eat it, then it will be a problem if you can give it a Shalach Manus. Okay, so we've spoken about what can be given, how much is to be given, who to give to. And as we said, even though many people use Purim as the opportunity, to express gratitude to everybody that uh, they want to thank, whether it's uh, the children's teachers in Rebbeim, friends, their Rabbanim, Rosh Hashivas, or just to encourage good relationships. And that's what part of Purim, being marba achva v'reis, being marba the mitzvah of simcha and unity in Klai Yisrael. Now the last din is the din of the Suda. And that is the meal one has to eat in Purim, what does one have to eat? The basic client of the Suda, as we mentioned earlier, was a person has to eat a mitzi has to wash, he has to eat meat, if he enjoys meat, he has to make a soda which is something which is chashav, it's considered uh, as best as able to make it something which is a soda to make a mitzvah with it. And we'll see separately there's a din of drinking, um, drinking wine during the soda also, but that's for a different reason. When wants to, when you should use a soda as an opportunity to thank Hashem for the chasarim he did for us, to say, to invite guests, whatever it will be, is obviously 
whatever the requirements that one's allowed to do at the time are, but that's the idea of the Surah's Purim. Now, those are the halachas of Purim. There are also three minhagim in Purim. The first minhag is the minhag to dress up. That's brought down already in the Ramah, that there was such a minhag, it's part of the simcha of the day. And this year, when would one dress up? So, really, when a child wants to dress up, could dress up either on Thursday night, Friday for the Megiddo reading, you could dress up again on Sunday for Mishlach Manus and for the Surah's Purim. It's in Shabbos, it's better not to dress up, it's better to wear normal Shabbos clothes. And that's because many costumes, besides the fact it's not necessarily the right atmosphere for Shabbos, but many costumes involve melacha in assembling them, whether it's going to be gluing or coloring in or stitching or tying and involving the melachas here of kosher, of tofer, of boina, of kosher. And therefore it's better to leave costumes and fancy dress for either before or after Shabbos or both and on Shabbos wear Shabbos clothing. For adults not dressing up, they should wear Shabbos clothing all three days, which means for the Megiddo reading, and again on Shabbos for Shabbos, and again on Sunday for the Suda. That's part of the Chashivas we show to the day of Purim. The second minag is the minag that's brought in the Halacha of Karapoyshet Yad Noisnimloi, and that is if anyone stretches out their hands, we give him. This is separate to the Mitzvah Matanus Levyani. This is a different din, and that is that if a person asks on Purim, we give, we don't want to turn anyone away, and therefore it's advisable for a person to have a stack ready of half shekels or one shekel pieces that he has what to give to whoever would ask him, even and even if it's not a significant amount. The reason for that is is because the whole koyach spiritually of Purim, like the Rambam writes, is the koyach of Tefillah, the koyach of davening. Klai Yisrael, when they were subject to the decree of Haman, didn't have the necessary schosim to be saved. They didn't deserve, didn't have the merits um, to to have a nice happen to them. And the koyach that they had was only the koyach of Tefillah. The Rambam writes that the point of Purim is to teach us, to show us that what the terrorist says is that Kaddish Baruch has always listened, always listened to Klai Yisrael's Tefillahs was Miskayim. And here also the this heartfelt and sincere Tefillah of Klai Yisrael was answered on Purim. And even if it wasn't deserved, there was a certain maila to our tefillah. And therefore, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, gave us what we asked for, even if we weren't deserving, we give on Purim, even without checking if the recipient is deserving or not. It's enough to give. We don't have to give a lot. Which day would this apply? The Sukhoi will see. And the second point to this as well, and that is if there is such a kayak on, on Purim, that's what Purim was founded on, that the kayak of tefillah, that people can daven, and Hashem responds to them even if they don't deserve, then there's a certain mile of Purim which even surpasses the mile of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Because even though Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are also times to daven, but then the davening helps in ameliorating the din or weighing down the scales in the mishpat, in the judgment. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a time of din, and tefillah is accepted, but tefillah adds as a factor to the scale. Whereas Purim, if there's a Hanhagi that Hashem accepts tefillah even without the person davening being worthy, as was the case in Shushan, then we can daven for things in Purim that we might not be worthy of receiving the rest of the year. And therefore, just like we want to give to whoever asks us without asking them do they deserve the money they're asking for or not, we want Hashem likewise to respond to us and give us what we're asking for, whether we deserve it or not. And this brings us to the last minute of Purim, and that is the minute to drink or even if some which means to get to drink to the point where a person loses his ability to think rationally, and everyone always wonders what's the reason for such a mitzvah. There are many, many explanations given, probably as many explanations as there are for him written on Purim. But I want to add one more point, and that is that the mitzvah of drinking isn't a mitzvah the whole day and the whole night. The mitzvah of drinking is specifically part of the Suda. And the reason for that is, is because... It's an extension of this kayak of tefillah. And that is normally when a person is thinking with his rational mind, is what he deserves, is what he feels he can ask for, is what he feels he doesn't deserve, and therefore is what he feels he can't ask for. And the problem we don't want that. We don't want a person's tefillah to come from a point of rational decision that this is what I deserve and this is what I'm going to ask Hashem for. We want it to come from a different place. And that is from a place when a person feels he needs something, so they ask for it, whether they deserve it or not. It's coming from a point of, I need it. And I'm asking because I need it, not because I feel I'm entitled to it. And therefore, the point of drinking is in order to release that level of feeling. 
that a person can come to ask what he, ask Hashem for what he needs. But from a point of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I'm asking because this is what I really need, what I really want, not necessarily because that's what I think I deserve or that's what Alpi Cheshman is coming to me. And therefore, utilize the ability of the minag, which is brought down the Shulchan Aruch also, of drinking on Purim as a way to release the emotions which a person might not give expression to the rest of the year. And those emotions aren't meant to bring to frivolity or to wildness. Those emotions are meant to bring to a tefillah which is coming from a point of Hashem help me because this is what I really need. Okay, so that's the case. These two minhagim of giving to whoever asks and of drinking on Purim, of tefillah on Purim. When's the, when's the time to dive in this year on Purim? Is it on Friday when we read the Megillah? Is it on Shabbos? Because that's really the date of Purim. Or is it on Sunday where we drink and we have the Siddha? And there's a good argument for each of, each of them. We don't really find the poskim being machria, deciding which of the three days has the spiritual energy and the kayach that Purim is meant to have. And if that's the case, I think it's a golden opportunity. It's a golden opportunity because normally on Purim, this kayach of tefillah which there is, is not properly utilized. It's a busy day, there's so much to do, and time's short, and people, if they just get through the Rina Megiddo, giving Matanus Ivan, and Shalach Maris, and the Suda, they've done well. And when's the time to daven? So I can snatch a few minutes here and there, but there isn't the same ability to daven properly. And that's not the case when you have three days this year. You have three days, and there's only two mitzvahs on the Friday, there's only two mitzvahs on the Sunday, there are no extra mitzvahs on the Shabbos, but if they're all part of Purim, then there's a koyach of tefillah. And when a person can find the time over the course of three days to miyachet himself in tefillah, to daven from a point of his feeling, what he really wants, what he really needs, what he's really asking Hashem for. And then you should be zeichet that this promise of Karapoishit Yad, whoever asks for something, it's given to him, should be misguided by him also. And then just like there was the Yeshua, there was the salvation that Klai Yisrael collectively had. And for him then, the Amemahim, we should be zeichet also, both collectively and each individual, to the salvation of Hashem Bizman Azeh, as it applies now. To which everybody, Friday from Purim.